Welcome back to an episode of Spectator Mode. I'm Neil Strubig. With me, as always, is Donald Double D Duckray. <laughs> you know, it's going to be crazy when you can't say that anymore. So, why can't I say Why won't I be able to say that anymore? Oh, when I'm getting married, did I tell you I'm changing my last name? Big oh, news no. podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, when I get married, I'm, I'm taking, we're, we are choosing our own last name, essentially, uh, my fiance and I. So, yeah, it's not going to be a D anymore. <laughs> I'll discuss the details with you later, but yeah, we're going to have Jesus. to figure that out. What's our open going to be? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, hopefully it still goes well with double D. So, cause the double yeah. D's not, that's not going anywhere. It's staying. So I just won't even say your first and last name. Then I'll just refer to you as double that's D. It's just my name. It's like a gamer tag that you're known by now. I've become, I've become so, Prince, you know, the artist formerly known as go Prince. Go back I'm to Don Perion days. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no, we got good lineup, but before we, we do get into that, a uh, couple of things we were kind of talking about before we started recording here as far as format, because we have been going a little bit longer with uh, Spectre mode. So kind of you guys have noticed, I've been listening, kind of the last topic, we've been doing a bit of a deeper dive on about 15, 20 minutes worth, uh, especially last week's too with the metaverse. Yeah. We went yeah. aside almost half an hour just on that topic. Oh boy. So we think what we're going to do is keep spectator mode tight, 20 30 minutes absolute tops i mean probably less than that I take separate topics yeah so yeah so 10 15 minutes 20 minutes tops and i think then so, take yeah. some separate topics to where we can kind of get in the weeds a bit more give it some more of its due 20 minutes 30 minutes for that and then of course who saved over would be the main segments we're talking 45 minutes 90 minutes of us just geeking out about how crappy Attack on Titan season two was, <laughs> <laughs> final season part two. That'll be the real course, deep dives. NFTs. Yeah, really getting in there. NFT huh? episode might be four and a half hours. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> God, <that'll, laughs> who, who knows, man? That'll be his whole thing. Yeah, so we're doing that change in terms of the pacing of the show. I think the concept was to be fast, and I think we want to move towards living up to that concept a little bit better. And the second one is also our release timing is going to be a little bit longer just because life gets in the way. And getting these things edited and posted in sometimes like less than a day or two is just for for us not the easiest to do. So they'll still be releasing on the same days typically. It's just going to be coming out a week after the time of recording. So there's going to be a little bit more of a delay. But I don't think that's going to make a big difference one way or another, I hope, in terms of the newsiness of what we're going through and the stuff we're talking about. So hopefully it's all still stuff you're looking to hear. So, now basically I mean, yeah, basically a week between recording Thursdays basically. So rather than Sundays, it'd be Thursdays from there you here go. on out. You know, occasional Friday kind of thrown in there maybe with the holidays. There you go. And so what do we got <laughs> but, this week? For the rundown of this week, we're talking a little bit about Overwatch 2, my favorite game that may never actually get made. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's getting there. It's <laughs> definitely getting closer. It is Thor Love and Thunder. Uh speaking on the theme of love, love, death, and robots as well. <laughs> You got some PlayStation and Xbox news as well with some free-to-play games. Sega had a pretty big announcement with some retro gaming. And of course, our favorite Flash ever, Ezra Miller, and some more shenanigans. Yeah, so. yeah. And we'll get to that in a hot minute. But um, I guess I'll kick this off here with the Overwatch 2 news. Mm-hmm. Um, Overwatch 2 has finally released the reworks for two of their champions, Orisa and Doomfist. Doomfist, we've known about for a long time, is going to be solidly positioned as a tank. This has kind of been one of the ongoing criticisms with the character of his damage is really, really good. He's meant to be a damage character, obviously. But then because he's also an up-close and personal character, he has to have the tankiness to survive. So he sits in this weird place of being like either a tank that does way too much damage relative to other tanks in the game. Um, 
and he doesn't really help defend his allies or something like that, or he's a damage dealer who's just way more bulky than other damage dealers. In other words, he's overtuned. So they've clarified Doomfist is going to be a tank. They've made changes in that regard. They've also changed up his abilities with power block and seismic slam um, for repositioning and to actually allow him to block things and function more as a traditional tank does in Overwatch. So that I think is probably a good change overall. And then along with that, Arisa has, is getting a rework as well. It mostly looks like they're moving to uh, increase her mid-range game and her kind of control a little bit as well with changes to her javelin and the way that's working. So I don't know. I don't know how much I feel about the Arisa rework as much as the Doomfist I feel like was definitely in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, Doomfist, I think, kind of had to be a tank. And is it Arisa or Arisa? I would say Arisa. Oh gosh, you're asking. I don't know the proper. I don't know either. Like, sound because I think she's one of the characters too that doesn't actually have her introduction is in like an animated. I don't even know if they say the actual name. They just kind of talk about how she's made. Yeah, we would have to look that up in a fashion that's not really compatible. But, uh, you didn't right miss now. out too. They did announce Soldierorn as well, who's the new DPS character. Oh, yeah, Canadian origin has a railgun, has a power slide. True story. Uh, basically, is Soldier seventy six with a rail gun in my opinion i don't see anything new some early things say she's kind of broken op but that's kind of the normal dps characters when they come out mm -hmm. with Theresa and doomfist i think doomfist should be a tank i think it actually fits his build a lot better what they're doing it makes him a bit more offensive Arissa, i'm a, kind of worried about because she was kind of my sleeper pick all the time honestly and with this the movement speed with the javelin she's not having the shield i don't know how i feel about her being a bit more mobile I do like the javelin pulling people in, but for me, she was my off shield tank. That's kind of what I was like, okay, I don't really like playing Ryan all the time and just being a shield. Arissa was like, okay, I can still do damage. If I don't have a healer, I can post up and just defend like a maniac. And most of the times on escort maps, it was super clutch. So with this, I guess it really depends on how fast she is and how much damage you can put out too, because her reload time is brutal. So the shield and the fortified for me, was so clutch because once she was out of ammo, you're sitting duck. Yeah, it'll be very interesting because like there's definitely fortify slows you down and makes you tanky, but then the javelin spin that they're giving to her um gives forward speed and stuff like that. So like I'm not quite sure what playstyle they're envisioning for her in the end, but moving along. Thor Love and Thunder, we got the first look uh teaser trailer. I mean I I guess it's a teaser with length, but I guess it would still count as the first trailer just with the time frame it's coming out. But uh, mm -hmm. got the kind of first look of the movie. Um, what's your initial thoughts? Because there is a lot, a lot to unpack in ninety second bit. Yeah, it's we very. We also dense. saw the first look as far as uh, Jane as Thor at the very end. Too, yeah, so I mean, let's deal, first but... of all, spoiler warning: this obviously, like we're talking about stuff. This is all in the teaser trailer, so. I don't think this is any deep spoilers, but I know personally I typically avoid trailers because a lot of trailers are poorly made and do give away a lot of plot points, especially for somebody who might be otherwise avoiding the media. Big one being we got our first look at uh, Jane Foster as Lady Thor. Looks great, frankly. Um, the other one, too, is we do see Thor's sort of like recovery that he's doing, coming back from his depression and stuff, getting back in shape, trying to find his place in the world and everything else. All of that's teased. There's some great homages to comic panels in there, especially when you see like the great beast in the snow that's laying down dead. Like that is like ripped straight out of a comic. That's awesome. So it's definitely hitting all the right notes, I think, in terms of 
staying true enough to the comics and paying homage to that. We've also got, I think, a really good story. We're starting to see the Greek gods coming in as well. So they're expanding the universe further. So a lot of the stuff for them to play along with. And I will say to its credit, I don't think the teaser trailer gets too far past what I would consider like the first act of the movie with the stuff it has. So it's not too bad on spoilers if that's a concern for you. What I was surprised by with this, because Thor Ragnarok, I, I mean, I like, uh, I, I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, the Kiti, the director. Taika Waititi? Yeah, like I do like a lot of his stuff, even uh, his new show on HBO, uh, Our Flag Means Death, uh, quite a quite a surprise, uh, enjoyable show there. But this seems very much like just an enjoyable film, mm-hmm. maybe a send-off. I don't know how much it's going to really connect, even with Jane coming in as the new Thor. It just seems just like a, a fun ride. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm interested to see what MCU fans think of it. I mean, Hemsworth it deserves a good send-off. It definitely looks like we're going to see that as far as his journey and his, yeah. okay, I accomplished everything I want to do. Like, where'd I go from here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting because Thor Ragnarok, to me, was a fun ride as well, but really didn't connect until the very end. Yeah. As far as the MCU and stuff. So it was kind of like we're getting back to back with this. The Guardians are mixed in. That's cool, but really yeah. a bit astray from what we're used to with MCU movies. And you so know, that's, that's kind of one of my concerns, I think, going forward with the MCU. And I've mentioned this many, many times is how much they're expanding the universe and what that means for moviegoers in terms of keeping all the various plot lines and characters straight and how much they matter. I'm kind of hoping this is going to be a sort of like one-off movie that it is Chris Hemsworth send off. There will be stuff in here that does matter in the greater scheme of things, but for the most part, just have fun with it, go on a wild ride and have a good time with it. Like, I hope that's what they're going for. Love and thunder itself is just a fun, great name. You know what I mean? Like go ham, go crazy. Don't take yourself too seriously. And, um, you know, I hope we can send Chris off in the way he deserves. I was really surprised. I will say to see Natalie Portman coming back, after her distaste for the second Thor movie, she like sounded like she didn't want to come back at all. Yeah. But I don't think those are her arms though. Her arms look jacked in the trailer. Though. I mean, I don't know. There's been some stills actually of her like on set and like, she's definitely better shape than I am, but um, I do think we she's need to move along piece, to our next yeah. one. So, well, I mean, yeah, speaking of love, I mean, yeah. love death and robots announced season three, Netflix, one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Really? Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I think season one, I think, is still one of the best things on Netflix, period. Season two wasn't uh, as good, I felt, still enjoyable, but didn't hit the same stride I felt season one did. But for y'all that are unfamiliar, it's a episodic show. The whole thing's animation style. One of the three themes, Love, Death, of Robots, basically, or a combination of all three. It goes from super cheery stories to super dark, twisted sci-fi, fantasy, the whole kit and caboodle. What I love about it is it ties in so much with the animation, with if it's, you know, a cyberpunk kind of dystopian, it is definitely a computer animated CGI, a bit edgier on the tones and stuff. If it's a bit mythical, they definitely pull more of an anime kind of look to it as well. It just really, everything about it fits storytelling. And that's what I love about it. And the episodic formula, absolutely phenomenal. My beef for season two is just everything looked the same. The animation styles all looked the same almost through season two, which was upsetting. Yeah, I mean, I think the th- the thing that I'll say is I don't know how much experience um, our viewers or even you have really with like film festival stuff. Have you gone to any of those types of things? I would assume no. you have. No, uh, I can't say I have. No. Well, that's interesting. Not like a traditional film festival, like 
showings at indie theaters and stuff too sure yeah, i mean when they're yeah yeah, doing, yeah. Uh, studio ghibli a week or whatever it may be but not um, like back to back to back movies so back in college i did a lot of that because i was living with a film major and so that was obviously a lot of what he did and so we would go out together and love death and robots has a lot of that vibe to it in terms of it's a little bit more experimental i think maybe some of the similar vignettes and um like color palettes and stuff is the limitation of these I think smaller studios for the most part putting out these stories, you know I mean? Like they're not like high budget films and stuff like that. Still very good quality. But for me, it feels much more like a roundup of like independent movies and stuff like that, that are either small funded or self-funded kind of projects. So I think there are some limitations there that should be recognized. And to your point, like they do focus very heavily on storytelling, especially because they aren't typically very long episodes. You know, these aren't like two hour long blockbuster kind of story productions. These are very small, dense uh, things that they try to cram a lot of meaning into the little bit that they give you and show you. And I think they do that very well. Now, that said, I think some of these themes have been explored, you know, cyberpunk, dystopia, life after humans kind of deal. Like those things have been explored a lot in media over the years. It's very hard to bring something fully original to those themes. And I think if this is like a genre in which you are interested, I don't know that any of it's going to be truly groundbreaking. At the same time, it's definitely something that I think is a different viewing experience for a lot of people who have a Netflix subscription and are maybe more used to those like AAA polished titles, blockbuster titles, stuff like that. That's good. I and mean, in season three, it seems like they switched animation back to season one. A lot of variations from the six stills that we saw. So that has me excited because it's like, okay, kind of back to the roots and we're going to see the wide range and, you know, eight, 15 minute shorts. It's, I don't know, it's a fun ride, but I'm going to kick back to you on the PlayStation news. Yeah, I mean, so PlayStation, so there's a larger conversation that we would like to have someday about Netflix and what it's doing with its marketing and stuff like that. But for now, let's stick with the smaller announcement that PlayStation wants to add ads into its games. And there's that discussion of what that looks like, what kind of data tracking that would be. Microsoft, for its part, has already said that anything that they release on PlayStation, they would not take any cut of the ad revenue coming out of that which is an interesting way of not saying whether or not you would take the data that would be harvested from ads, which I think is usually the more invasive bit of that. You know what I mean? Tracking play habits, purchase habits, stuff like that. Um, They did not make a comment on that. They just said that they wouldn't take any revenue from ads that would be hosted in games. Sony is still trying to figure out what it's going to do. Um, And for its part, Xbox is planning to launch a advertising program in the third quarter of this year as well so i don't know what that's going to look like if they're going to be very in your face ads or if it's going to be like oh you're doing a racing game here's a billboard that has a real world ad on it not like an in-game ad on it because like there is a lot of that real stick you think like gta fortnite racing games stuff like that like they do have fake ads they create for those games and i think the conversation is kind of like well could we just do real ads instead of fake ones and sell those spots no to your point i think it it could work for the PlayStation side of things as far as visuals seamlessly going into it. I think it's interesting in the sense of you can interact in with a billboard by cosmetics in the game kind of goes back in the whole metaverse conversation we we're having too. Yeah. I think this is very much an intro introduction into that. I think Xbox on their side, introducing ads to free to play games, kind of interesting. Capitalist society is what it is. You got to make the money, but Again, I think this hints at a lot of stuff we talked about last week, just the metaverse kind of introduction. And again, 
how you're playing, what you're looking at, what you're buying is now being integrated into what it ultimately is escapism entertainment. And should it be there? Should it not be there? Yeah. I think it's a conversation we definitely have to dive into, but. Oh yeah. Well, and I think it brings it, up the other issue too, of then being forced to be online for games that do not have a need to be online, you know, like a God of war or something like that is something that's perfectly fine playing offline. There's, there's no reason why that would even need online connectivity. But then if you're looking to get ad space in a game or something like that, that could otherwise be played offline, or you're looking to play even a racing game, like in single player mode kind of deal that you could be offline. Well, now the ads are tied to probably online assets and you're being forced online, which is another, I think, issue and kind of concern with like the way this is going. Cause it's definitely moving gaming and like the resources and stuff. While I will definitely acknowledge that most of the people I think listening to this podcast have the resources that that's not going to be a big issue. Also, let's recognize the issues of access to technology around the world, access to the internet and the way that this is sort of forcing you to be connected. And even if you just have a simple outage or something go on, like you're going to be kicked off potentially because now in-game ads are tied to the internet, which I would be fuming if that happened to me. No, and there's honestly two games which kind of segues into the next topic that I think could very possibly, very well be introductions to this. Yeah. Sega announced two blockbuster-based remakes, as they described them as. Mm-hmm. Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi. Super popular games. Uh, I think they were actually on Xbox, originally on the Dreamcast, which super underrated system at the time. Just kind of fell in between technology booming, basically. But definitely cult classics, fan favorites. They're, the weird thing with this is they're saying they're basically big budget, kind of blockbuster remakes for it, but they still also may get canceled which is very interesting to me to be tipping in resources two big titles that I think immediately will have a fan base probably sell easily over a couple million copies just because people are aching for the retro gaming, especially these two, the fan lore is real modern takes on it, but definitely in a cityscape landscape. Yeah. You could see in-game ads and in that sense, very possible. Yeah. And like one of the things that Sega has specifically announced around this is that they are looking for ongoing monetization of these games. They definitely are looking towards like a Fortnite business model or something like that, where they would be able to keep making money over time after the release. Do you want to point out Jet Set released on Dreamcast originally and Crazy Taxi was an arcade game. That's how freaking old it was. Came out in 99. Really? Before it got ported over to, I think it was on PlayStation 2, is I think when it got moved over to consoles. I'm not strong on that. Um, might actually, Crazy Taxi might have actually made its console debut also on Dreamcast now that I'm, I'm looking it up as we're talking. I thought, it, I thought it was Dreamcast. I remember the demo yeah. had Crazy Taxi, but. Yeah, Crazy Taxi was an arcade game previously no, and then got ported over first. to uh, Dreamcast. Dreamcast was ahead of its time, man. It really was. And I still remember playing Crazy Taxi and loving the heck out of that game when it was coming out. So I think for me, one, pleased to see some of these older titles maybe getting updates because one of the things that's always driven me personally crazy is graphics not keeping up. I frankly spend too much money on my monitor and my graphics card for it not to look pretty on my screen. Um but then the concern obviously around the monetization goals behind these updates and what impact that may or may not have on the user experience. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's, um, it's going to be interesting. I'm more intrigued to see if they actually do get canceled, but the monetization, I think that's, I think it's going to be a topic we'd have to definitely dive more into, but it's going to be interesting with these new games and kind of we've talked about that love and retro feel for games and, 
the retro fan base and now it's getting modernized. Is that going to be a conflict there? Something to watch for sure. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. And talking about conflicts, our favorite actor, DC actor, who's been just living his best life in Florida, Ezra Miller was arrested. Sorry, Hawaii. You are correct. He was living his best life in Hawaii, was arrested now for the second time for this time, second degree assault. Uh, this happened this past Tuesday. He was arrested at 1.30 a.m. And uh, this time he hit a 26-year-old woman on the head. Caused injury, obviously. I mean, what, what what's going on, man? Like, why can't he keep his head down? Do you think it's just island fever? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about, you know, I don't really <laughs> read celebrity magazines and tabloids and stuff to know, you know, the spiral. But it definitely seems like the dude's got some anger issues. He's got to sort out. He clearly feels something's attacking him in a way to where why else are you going out or it's substance abuse and, you know, he's just intoxicated and acting a fool regardless. Plus, don't a chair at somebody going hard on a Tuesday. I mean, you know, March Madness is over. I don't know if you need to go hard on a Tuesday. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, so, man. I don't, like, it's, it's, it's a shame, honestly. What kind of, I mean, I think as much as I would love to talk a little about the personal struggles that I think he's dealing with too, is what kind of impact does this have on the DC universe? We've touched on this before because it seems a lot like they were going for like a Flashpoint type thing with where they were going with stuff. So we expected Flash's character and the movie that's set to release in 2023 to be a big part of the DC universe and being like almost a get out of jail free card with the whole Snyder cut and everything else that we've dealt with the Justice League in terms of you can literally do Flashpoint and retcon, but like not actually retcon because you're changing timelines right so like you can you can reboot the whole thing however you want to do it is that kind of spent with what's going on with ezra miller i mean yes and no in a way yes because it seemed like very much they wanted him to basically be a catalyst for this maybe not the focal point but flash and his character was definitely going to be a catalyst going into it that same breath then to your point they could shoot a scene with the new flash and just as easily correct it. But we don't know how many appearances he has, everything else you're talking now, multiple movies, multiple kind of scripts probably already written with Ezra basically being Barry Allen being involved one way, shape or form, because it did seem like he was going to have kind of this Tony Stark effect with DC's relaunch, which means even if it's the cameo at the end of the film or it's a Nick Fury kind of thing, Ezra was going to be involved in that some way, shape or form. So <sighs> It's, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. DC's already kind of fallen out of favor. The Batman is a phenomenal movie, but their actual cinematic universe as a whole, it's, it's in shambles. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, Ezra is kind of in shambles too. And it's kind of like, all right, where does it go? And <laughs> to your point too, like he kind of gets lost then because the guy's definitely going through some sort of mental health crisis of some sort too. So should there be empathy on that regard too? When we've seen actors oh, yeah, do a lot yeah. worse kind of thing too. So, I mean, I think there should always be empathy for people just on a human level. But at the same time, it's to your point of like, do you want to pin of like the franchise that you're trying to build to this person now? Probably not. Now the, I think the only kind of like redeeming thing we can say is that like, there are various incarnations of the flash. And while he is a, one of the better known heroes, like the storylines maybe from the comics aren't going to be as well known to the general public, maybe. So like you might be able to, bring in a different flash with you know the timelines and the travel stuff like that to like bring in a different guy and kind of swap him out 
might not be the hardest character to replace, I guess, maybe in the scheme of things. At but the same time, received or is she going to receive? That's the thing, too. Yeah. It's, who knows? Really know. Like as the Flash movie for its part, I, I think know. is kind of done. Like it is delayed till 2023, but that was COVID stuff. I, so I don't know how much right. they're able to really pivot whatever that storyline is going to be. So I definitely think the DC universe is in a tough place. I think Ezra Miller is in a very tough place. Feel for the guy. Um, but I think that's about just about all we have time for this week on spectator mode. So thanks for coming by and look forward to any feedback you guys may have in terms of format and timing as we try to tighten this up and bring you the news of the week.